this is Dorothy Fawn, a.k.a. Meryl Strife, and many other parts as well. And you're listening to Tuning Japanese. Woohoo! Let's get down to business. This is the result of all the collated data. The Earth Spiral Race flagship currently in lunar orbit is the Cathedral Terra. It was stolen by the anti-spirals and disguised as our moon. Guren Lagan, Ark Guren, Cathedral Terra. The thing that brings out the potential of each is spiral power. That refers to the power of evolution present in us life forms possessing a double helix genetic structure. Hmm? To put it in simple terms, it's fighting spirit. Why didn't you say that in the first place? Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Half of his soul is buried deep underground. He's Josh. Yeah. And he's holding someone's practical joke in his hand. It's Andy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that's your penis. I'm yeah, sorry. What the hell, man? I, well, I was I was reaching for that straw over there. He was burying underground. That's where half my soul is. I was, I was giving your penis a chance to, to breathe. I was going to put that straw in there. And I'm ready and rough. I'm Bill. What? Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is going to be a weird episode. Uh, hi, guys. Ooh. Hey! I wish. <laughs> Bill is wearing a whiskey shirt, and he's drinking a beer, and... I'm wearing whiskey pants, And too. Whiskey, whiskey pants. pants. <laughs> so, how's it going? I missed you guys so much. It's been a long week. Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, but we're here with Tuning Japanese, and we are reviewing... Another episode, gun log on. But this one's not... We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's weird. But we're going to be reviewing episode 23 this week. Let's go! This is the final battle. Which is a fucking lie, by the way. <laughs> this is a goddamn lie it's of a more title. It's like the final it, it countdown is. to the final battle. It's the final countdown. I knew that was coming. You're going to get a seed. <laughs> so, before we get there, Yes. Before we get there, <laughs> it's nerd news time. Sid. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. What's up, Andy? Detroit become Rock human. City? No. Detroit become human just released. I believe today, and I cannot wait to play it. I don't know what that is. Huh? I those words make sense, but not together. Do you guys remember Heavy Rain? Nope. A little bit. I, I mean, I know of it, but I never played it. I mean, it was kind of light in Muscatine earlier. Oh, Lord. Uh, no, okay, do you... Okay, games like the Telltale games, where you get to make choices and it impacts the game, kind yeah. of. I play that game with the Windigos in it. Uh, de- t- Till dawn. T- t- until, yeah, until dawn. So, Quantic Dreams, the company behind Heavy Rain and uh, other games in a similar sort of genre, just released Detroit Become Human. And... Detroit Become Human is, when I saw it at E3 last year... The was, city of Detroit, like, becomes an anthropomorphized robot of itself? No. Let me show like you... Like the tra- god of Detroit. No, you need to see a trailer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause what is we're doing the god, right now, it, and you're gonna... Isn't the god of Detroit Gene Simmons? 
Let me show we you. We should modify. We should hack Scion where we play different cities as like our patron gods. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's going to be really, really fun. The you know again like the Telltale games where they uh, have different sort of outcomes based on the choices you make. Mm-hmm. This is like to the point where you could play through the same level four, five, six, seven times and get different outcomes and see different things that you wouldn't have seen before. And cool. it specifically. Whatever path you end on, whatever part you, you know, the, the choices you make will influence then the next scene. And then that will influence the next scene. Right. Uh, to the point where uh, it's it's ridiculously um, laid out. The original script, I believe they said, um, for this game in general was over 20,000 pages long. Wow. Um, so they put a lot. That's a hell of a paycheck for the uh, voice actors. Yeah, so they put a lot of work into this particular game. So it just released um, this Friday, and I am i haven't played a PlayStation 4 game in a really long time, but I might pick it up. So yeah, that's that's my news. I just, I'm really stoked to play this game, and if I do play it, I'll, I'll tell you guys kind of what I think of it once I get some hands-on with it. I have nerd news, yeah. All right. News! It's kind of a addendum to what I talked about last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Saban is closing down entirely. No. Wait, what? Yep. The, I guess, Saban Financial, mm-hmm. I think they called it, the parent company, is still in operation. But Saban's closing all six of its offices in America. Wow, so that makes more sense for the... Because last we talked... The Hasbro last, buy-off. Yeah. The last yep. time I talked to you, we were it was the Hasbro buy-off. So. Yep. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, it's already begun kind of getting a lot of heat. On the YouTubers and on the interwebs, Thundercats Go, or Thundercats Roar, I should say. Uh, but I, thought, I thought it was pretty... Thundercats Ho. No, that was the movie that didn't get made. Right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And the porno, and the budget porno was, movie uh, that I was trying to make. That's spelt different. Oh. Was, was Hot Springer involved in that, too? Probably not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, do you guys seen the, uh, seen the stuff for it? What's your, what's your take on it? I've Is only it... seen a picture. That's yeah, okay. the same. Much like Teen Titans Go. I mean, it's not for me, but it's not for me. It might be for me. I enjoy Teen Titans Go, so maybe maybe it might be for me. I don't know. Wow, I can't stand Teen Titans Go. And I think my problem is, like, the the style of animation. I I heard what it was called on another podcast. I can't remember what what it was. uh, It's just the standard Cartoon Network style that you've complained about. Is a Cartoon Network show specifically? Yeah, it's a Cartoon Network show. Mm -hmm. Okay. It works fine for shows like Steven Universe Adventure Time that are created in a vacuum. I think the reasons why I don't like Teen Titans Go is because I have the original Teen Titans television series to reference on, and it it bothers me that it looks so cheap and lazy compared to the original. Granted, well, in Thundercats, I think exasperates that problem. mm -hmm. Because the original Teen Titans was clean. Thundercats was a Rankin-Bass production. It was very overly drawn anime, Mm -hmm. gorgeous... And even the 2011 reboot was the same way. It was it was even better animated because you know we had digital animation. I don't know if it was better. At least I, I have a fondness for the old style Rankin Bass. You know Transformers and GI Joe kind of looked that way too. Right. I don't think they were Rankin Bass, but they still had that same sort of feel pseudo anime. I don't think it's a bad idea because they they want to approach it more on the humorous end. Which okay, that looks like that could be a lot of fun. Let me put it this way. Which one is Dorian going to be more interested in watching? Which one is he going to gravitate towards? But the more complex original Thundercats with the more heavily drawn animation or a simpler, brighter, louder, straightforward, funny 
animal cartoon. It's it's hard to say, and I, I could actually I actually wouldn't mind doing that taste uh, compa- taste, taste test taste test. I, I can almost guarantee you that if you put Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go or Thundercats or Thundercats Roar on, mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you he's going to gravitate towards the to the much the, the modernized kitty version, the softer, softer. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. He loves he loves Steven Universe, and as I said, Steven Universe, I'm okay with the animation style because it's created in a vacuum. It's you know, there's nothing that Steven Universe has come by before. You mean there's no previous series. previous iteration of Steven Universe, right? Yes. I mean, Andrew said it before, and he's got a point that a lot of the Cartoon Network stuff is starting to kind of look alike. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I just don't understand why. And granted, seems... some of the older stuff looked alike. Too. I mean, if you, yeah. again, Transformers, GI Joe, right, the Thundercats, all kind of. Kind of look the same. Centurions. Maybe it's just an era of cart- animation right now. I just don't know why, why this has to exist. It's not something that... I mean, it's only... The only real people that are going to know about the pre-existing okay. thing are going to be those that are older. Well, I think WB probably invested it, some money to get the rights of it's because kids. It's because the parents that are nostalgic are going to hook their kids on it. I mean, yes, you, you're probably right, but at the same time... It's not going to feed then into watching the other version. You you can get the Thundercats on DVD, but who's buying DVDs anymore? You know what I mean? So like, no, you're right. Really, some on Blu-ray now. Well, who's, both, buying, who's, both, who's buying both, Blu-rays? Both previous not not, uh, not, not, not nearly as many people it's, as they used to. It's not a nostalgia go back thing. What they want to see happen is me and Josh are fans of the old Thundercats. So we said our kids, our four to ten year olds. Hold three. three. Okay. Our three, to, well, three might be a little young for the demographic, but point, and 10 might be a little old for a demographic, but my point being, mm-hmm. we set our current generation children down in front of it because, hey, we love Thundercats. Here's a new version of it. You love Thundercats. Not that I'm going to necessarily take them back to watch the old ones. I don't know. It just seems like a strange property to me to, me to just appear out of nowhere. It is, it is, but it's not even we're in, no, the, we're in the era of nostalgia, right? right. And reboots, mm. and so. right. no, you're right, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've never been a big fan of Thundercats. I thought it, I mean, especially going back, it doesn't hold up. I think at all. So, it's, like, it, it's just a weird choice to me. I think, like, with everything else they could have done, like, I'm surprised they didn't go the Ninja Turtle route, or they they did. I thought they're pumping out new Ninja Turtle stuff every couple of years. True, there's a new Ninja Turtle show on right now. Yeah, where aren't they close? Raphael's to that the leader, and right, like they've they've jumbled up personalities and everything. So, mm-hmm. but point being, there there's a constant stream of Ninja Turtle stuff coming out. Right. It's just right. something somebody attached to, and my wonder is what they're how they're going to tie toys to it. Because that's how the 2011 show tanked. It had really good watch numbers and critical ratings, but the toys weren't selling. That's why it got canceled. Really? That's the reason? Yes. Well, they're Teen Titan Go toys, so they could just do a similar sort of thing. And again, I think that's probably what they're doing. They're probably thinking it's it's a marketable, merchandisable thing. Thing they can they can move, but maybe. No, toys it's... just aren't. We've discussed it before. Toys just aren't moving no. at all anymore. Well, that's... duh. I mean, you're losing the biggest toy store. There is. There is in yeah. the country. That's, so. that's the song. Yeah. The biggest toy store. There, there is. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he did say it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, um, but, I, I mean, for me personally, I don't think I'd be interested in it, but you may be right. Dorian might might like it. Well, Jocelyn likes watching. Again, that's, um, ultimately, that's my point. It's not for us, but it's not 
for us. Right. I mean, I don't want to be that angry nerd who there's a new thing and they've messed with my childhood. No, my childhood's gone and done. Okay, and it's it's in the 1980s and 1990s. That's where it's going to stay. I mean, as much as I dislike the newer Transformers, and I don't watch it. Yeah. You know, I don't spend money on it. I don't spend time on it. I don't spend effort on it. No need to. No need to spew the hate. I'm not trying, and I don't want to be that guy. I'm just more like I'm not interested in in it. But you bring up a good point that hey, maybe my kids would. So let's get off the subject of you know our childhoods that are already gone, and let's talk about a a cartoon, a cartoon, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're gonna made for teenagers. (laughs) Yeah, and that's. I mean, which is still, still pretty far away. Well, I guess I'm still fairly in, clued in. <laughs> yeah, I, I can dab with the best of them. <laughs> well, I know the lingo. You're right. Well, anyway, this is the story of a man who continues to defy everything, even the laws of reality and Andy's sense of normalcy. Oh, fuck, he's talking again. Uh, we get enough of this from the anime. I'm Simon, sorry. Simone saved the Earth and all, li- and all living on it. The moon turned into a giant battleship. Twilight Princess Nia was recalled by the anti-sparrows. We all caught up? I think we're good. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So we got to old Coco, ironing a huge-ass piece of fabric and looking sorrowfully at an adorable picture of Simone and Nia. Actually, I love the picture of Simone and Nia. It's like like they were just caught right at the right moment, you know. Old Coco, more like old Creepo. A little bit. Title card. <laughs> old, dun dun. Old pedo. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so we cut to outside of Teplin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know the balls make that episode title. Oh man. So nope. we cut. We 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 do cut to the outside of Teplin. It's been one week since Simone stopped the destruction of the Earth. In a war room uh, meeting, uh, Simone announces that Vero will be the new pilot of Gurren, which is met by kind of a, an eclectic and somewhat laid-back uh, response by the members of Team Gurren. Team Gurren is pretty laid-back in general this episode. Like, they spend most of it going, huh? What's well, yeah. going Jor- on? Except for Jorgen and Balmo, <laughs> sh- who shoot up and say, nobody better than humans! Are, yeah, we get to a, than being ready and rough. Yeah, yeah, we got into a big philosophical discussion about humans versus beastmen, and it was just really. weird. It was sort of philosophical and sort of genetic and, and racist. Well, that's a little, a little bit. bit, a little bit further down here. But I do want to finally point out that Jorgen and Balambo are voiced by Tony Oliver, who does Jorgen, and Paul Saint Peter, who does Balambo. They hired I, two people for that role? Yes. That was dumb. They should have just had I, one guy was, slightly change I, his voice. I was actually doing my research uh, for the episode. I'm like, holy for crap, once. they actually did do two uh, uh, actors for them. That's Josh, weird. did you lose your job? No. You actually did research. When did you find time? I actually planned ahead to actually uh, do my write-up. Because this was... This is kind of a dense episode. There's Since a lot when? of content in this there's, episode. There's a lot of content, but nothing happens in this episode. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Well, no, I it's mean, not. I mean... Well, there's kind of. one thing that happens that's kind of significant, especially... You mean the rocket launch arm-breaking punch that should have broke every bone in his hand and arm? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Okay? Before we get into the big discussion, we cut to Ottenborough struggling with a large stack of boxes, like a classic Looney Tunes character. Just now I'm wondering if that was the whole basis of his character's design, as he tends to have one of those over-the-top Looney style, Looney style mannerisms and characteristics, which uh, I find to be fasc- a fascinating approach to an obviously over-the-top character like himself. I mean, Ottenborough's very animated and outgoing, and and j- he just keeps going on and on. And- ah! 
Quit reading so much directly from the slides. I'm going to take two points off for bad eye contact. Okay. Sorry, I greeted speeches all day yesterday. I thought maybe that was a sex thing. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> it's fucked up. What was I talking about? And, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, he runs into Rossio. Rossio leaves yes. and he advises him that he doesn't need to rush all the time. Then Rossio get foes. Yep, that's basically the scene. All right. Andrew needs to rush all the time. Modern day warrior, mean means trying. For some reason, when you say this, is Aquaman, <laughs> but I'm gonna hump my base because that's what I do. You know what's sad? You ever, ever seen like Getty Lee actually perform nope. like live? I've I have seen, seen a cartoon of Getty Lee on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> is what I've seen. No, you need to watch like three seconds of him like performing like when he's playing bass because he just like always is constantly pelvic thrusting. That's just how he plays, wow. and it's like he's fucking the hell out of that bass. <laughs> it's great. All right, so you're gonna cut this. You're gonna cut to the core of this, right? Because yeah, I mean, it, essentially, it, he goes. It's, it's he goes on for so long. DNA and fucking provide fighting spirit. Beastman don't have it. Well, there's a little bit more. So here, not really. Here, here are here are the cliff notes. Okay, spiral energy is the power of evolution invoked via willpower. Fucking the anti-spirals gave up evolution in the fear that spiral energy would destroy us all. They don't fuck. These anti-spirals won the war because they could hide in an alternate dimension. They figured out how to do that because they didn't fuck. They banished the spiral races to their homeworld and set up kill switches. If any of those races' population got too large... They wanted them to stop fucking. And the beast cannot access nor utilize spiral energy due to not being able to propagate young and causing changes via via gametogenesis. They don't don't fuck. Yep. (laughs) Wow, I like... See, this is like... It reminds me of the scene, because Liron goes on trying to explain these things, and everyone else is, like, like either falling asleep or, like, just staring the bill stare when, when we talk about Overwatch. Uh, and then... Which I may start playing again. And then... Oh, lovely. And then Liron tells them the short version, like, they don't fuck. And everyone's like, yeah! Why don't you talk about fucking more? All right. Oh, yeah, and we also learned that uh, Lord Genome's head is scanning the universe to find the anti-spirals. Of course he is. And, yeah. And uh, just so you know, this is only the first five minutes of the episode. It's like All an right. Excel episode. <gasps> Excel Saga? No, we're not going back there. Can we go back to, Never the, again. The, to the golden no. days? Never again. Trigun was the golden days. We'll get we'll get Jessica Calvello back on. Oh wait, Trigun, you mean is is an Dorothy anime Fawn? with Dorothy Fawn in it, who we recently interviewed, and you can find it on the main feed? Now. Probably now. Ooh, I can't wait to listen to that. After we leave the war council, we do cut to Rossio at Adai Village. Where he is met by the presence of Father Maggi. You know, for once, you, you actually kind of skipped away, uh, skipped some of it a little bit here, but it was kind of important because there was a scene where he was, where he's seen disappearing and leaving. Uh, right, as I said, that was Ottenborough when he ran into Ottenborough. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was what's her face that said. No, no, oh, actually, later. we we cut to then Simone who runs into Kinon, who informs him that she received a message from Rasiu. That's where it is. Yes. And so we cut back to the reunion of father and son, where they find out the holy book that Magin had given Rossiu seven years earlier could not be translated, and they share a laugh on how their holy text could very well have been someone's practical joke. It's the Voidage Manuscript. Uh, Or the Necronomicon. Could be the Necronomicon. No, it's the Voidage Manuscript. Number one. I don't know what that is. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what? Wikipedia. Okay, I'll do that later. Number two, it could just simply be that this is a book written in a language that has already been destroyed by the anti-spirals, had gone off somewhere else. Facebook. On... <laughs> That's why I'm saying the Necronomicon. Okay, fair. That that would fit. 
three. Hey, are you on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, are you on Facebook? <laughs> no, no. I switched to uh, to MySpace a few few years ago. Oh Lord, kill that joke. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Three. Do we do we ever talk about whether Father? If, if anything, it would come first, and it would be called Outer Space. Mm. Three. Did we ever talk about how Father Magin? And whether he's actually the father, or that's just you know that's, his religious He's referred name. to him as as father, and I think it. No, it. it I don't think we ever really know for sure. I believe the last episode, uh, the last time we saw him, Father Magin, many episodes ago, that introduced Rasu. What you mean was back, back in like episode seven, two thousand and seventeen? We started. I should know. I was actually review, I've been reviewing this past season. You've been actually, guys, been actually a lot nicer this season than you think. Wait, so. But no, no, he said father, and he, he's implying not as an honorific, but as his father. But when you see... Because they talk about his mother. You but don't we, know. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. There was the talk of his mother. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and there's a great line here. I love it. Because while they're sharing the laugh, Mogging says, So I've been preaching God's words the whole time holding someone's practical joke in my hands? <laughs> and they just they start cracking it up. And it's like, oh, that's... Uh, that's a kind of a funny thought when you really think about a possible religion. That somebody, when they started writing like certain holy texts, like, oh man, these people are just going to eat this shit up. And I think Magin points out is he finds it kind of interesting the when Rossi points out of the whole taking something that was amazing and, and important to you in your past, but now it's become junk because you've moved on from it. He finds that to be an interesting concept within people in itself. And Rossi, on the other hand, does not like. You cut back to Simone and Kinon. They're trying to track Rasu's ship, and we kind of learn that his note's rather cryptic about how she can carry on without him, and that she's a strong person, and how much he appreciated her friend. Oh god, no, this is not going to go well. So we also go back to Rasu. He's uh, checking out, scoping out the tunnels for structural damage. Yes. The way they're playing it up, and I like the act, the voice acting here, Seems like that he knows something's up with Rossi. He's like, no, you did a good job. Gurdon's seat looks like a toilet. You ever notice that? No. Because she's sitting side saddle on it. And I was like, that's a toilet. She's not sitting on it right, even if it was a seat. Well, she's obviously sitting side saddle as, not, as to not harm her vagina. Is that a toilet twerk? <laughs> yeah, that's a toilet twerk. Yeah, that's, that's about right. You don't know anything about vaginas. <laughs> I know. Essentially, Magin does convey to Rossi that he understands the choices that he made. So, we also learned that Rossi didn't want to take control of the government, um, and that his choices were not personally motivated. Yeah. And, and it bothered him. We got a really good scene mm-hmm. where the, the, Rossi was crying, mm-hmm. and Kinon catches him crying. Although she, he... says, she says, I saw him, but... <laughs> But she just hears him weeping through the door. <laughs> it's like, no, you heard him, and you stared at his door. And yes, Rossi is back at it, and she then she realizes he's at Adai, so they punch it, and they move really fast. Uh, so Rossi reflects on the state of Adai Village when he was young, and begins to draw some dark parallels of his own choices to sacrifice the majority of humanity to allow a handful to survive. Believing he has sinned, he speaks of atonement while holding a gun. Yeah, this scene is break card. Yeah! Hey guys, it's Andy. It's the break card. And I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Tuning Japanese. 
and I hope you guys are enjoying your week. We are starting the week out with a brand new episode a day early, and we are also going to be releasing, if you haven't heard already, our interview with Dorothy Fawn. If you're not familiar with Dorothy Fawn, she's a longtime amazing voice actress who, more specifically for our purposes on the podcast, was the voice of Meryl from season two when we reviewed Trigun. So I really think you guys are going to enjoy that interview later this week, and we want to hear your feedback on that. So if you like that interview, if you you want to hear more interviews like that we'll try to set up as many as we can in the coming months as we go through different series so please let us know what you think of the interview you can let us know by emailing us at tuningjapanese at gmail.com you can find our facebook or twitter that's facebook.com slash tuning japanese or at tuning japanese on twitter or you can leave us a five-star rating and review on itunes and let us know there just like the newest review that we just recently got. Yes, Otaku Nerd 33 noted and left a review. Actually, back in December, we missed it somehow. And all he said was, really like the drunk guy. There's one for you, Bill. Even though you're not an anime fan, some otaku out there, Otaku Nerd 33 in particular, finds you funny and awesome. So thank you so much for leaving that review. Remember that five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts are the best way, the absolute best way to get our show in the ears of other listeners. If you want to support us more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash tuning Japanese, where you can donate as little as $1 a month, you know, less than a cup of coffee that you would get on the way to work. You can help support us, try to keep this show going. It does cost a good amount of money for hosting technology our website everything that goes into this it would be a big help if you could help support us over at again patreon.com slash tuning japanese if you enjoy this show and you want to show support for a free medium we give this to you for free we will continue to give this to you for free and we promise that we are not going to be going to casper mattress or me undies or some of those other random advertising avenues uh the only way that we fund this show is through you guys. So if you want to go ahead and help show your appreciation for the show by giving monetary support, we'd really, really appreciate that. You can also appreciate other podcasts on our network at Questionable Endeavor. That's questendnetwork.com, where you can find all kinds of other podcasts and great things to check out. This week, I suggest the Shadowvane podcast. It's my other podcast. We're a little behind on recording, but I'm actually in the midst of trying to get some new stuff together for Shadowvane right now. So go check that out, shadowvane.net or questnnetwork.com. We've got a quick commercial. We're going to head back then to the episode. And don't forget, later this week, our interview with Dorothy Fawn will drop. So thank you so much for your continued support, your love, and we will see you soon. Hey, do you like video games? Do you like silly boy goofs? What about watching four dudes play video games, usually badly? Hi, my name is Nor, co-founder of Nerd Control, a video game Let's Play channel I created with my three best friends. Gregory. Derex. Don't forget me, it's your boy Reincent. So come watch our videos every Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Oh, and don't forget to join us for our After Dark episodes on the weekends. The video is the only recollection of the night after we've drank too much to remember. Watch us strive for mediocrity and just have a plain old good time. Row, row, white the power. But we also cut back to the Cathedral Terra, where Lord Genome Zed activates his scanners and detects Gurren Lagon racing towards Adai. Inside Gurren Lagon, Simone and Kinon, via some sort of spiral energy-induced psychic connection, sees images of Rossyu putting a gun to his head, 
this ends up activating the spiral perceptual teleportation system, and Gurulagan drills a localized wormhole to add. I'm confused by. If you screw hard enough, I'll think about somebody. You'll arrive on him. I got it now. So Gurulagan arrives in front of Rasu, who, when he sees Gurulagan emerging from the wormhole, does this whole grabs the gun and puts it closer to his head. Pretty much indicating stop or I'll shoot. Can I take a second to just say that I think I'm starting to get to that point where last week, not last week, but a couple weeks ago when you had said you just have to run with it, you just have to roll with it, you just have to just take it for what it is. So when he opened a wormhole by using his drill power and then just teleports essentially into Adai Village with Rossi right there, I'm just kind of going with it. It didn't upset me. You were pretty chill about it. You're like, okay, that makes sense. It makes a wormhole. That's literally what you said when we did the viewing today. It's like, that, okay. That is true. That is true. You were like, huh. Yeah. This episode almost got really dark, though. Like, yeah. he was going to commit suicide. Yes. Yeah. Simon leaps out of Gurren Logon and decides to impart a little chestnut of Kamina's wisdom. To Rossio. Oh, he goes completely all communist. over his face. Oh, that's what he, he said. So he gets thrown out of the uh, cockpit. Oh, yeah. Moving and, at least a few at, hundred at, miles at, at an hour. At least at the speed of ejaculate. What's the speed of ejaculation? <laughs> In your case, like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose yeah. that's one way to stop a suicide. Just knock the guy out. Well, I mean, it doesn't even say, like, this is the way to handle your problems. When someone's not feeling well, you punch him in the face. He pretty much Grit goes your on, teeth, bitch. He, says, he goes on and says, yeah, everyone... Tight the curb. Yeah, everyone... God, Too far. Okay. Too far, yeah. He, he, go, he does go on to say, yeah, everyone makes mistakes. Uh, so when you do, let someone else deck you, because why beat yourself up? And then he commends Rasu for essentially having the guts to make a really hard decision that he couldn't make. Yeah. And trying to protect as much as much as he could. Um, he even talks about how, you know, when things look darkest, sometimes you just gotta fight, 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 kick, go kicking and screaming yeah. until you move just a little bit away from it, but that means you've, you've gotten away from it. You also gotta fight for your right to party. Damn right. So finally, you know, we get everything straightened out. Uh, Simone and, and Rossio and Kinone, uh, depart in Gurren Lagan. Kinon's writing on Rasu's lap, and Rasu comments about Kinon being very heavy. When she asks if she should uh, get off his lap, he goes, no. He's like, move up, like, three inches. No, but it's more along the lines, he goes, no, I want to feel the the weight of one human life. Not very romantic, though, because she's like, you jerk! Okay. But there is one one piece of animation that I wanted to point out before before that. I don't know if you noticed, when he makes that comment about feeling the weight of a single human life, you see the shadows part off of his face as he's making that statement. Yeah. As if he's, he's finally come come out of his dark place. Okay, so I want to parse the comment about the weight of a human life mm-hmm. because he decides to use the terms of a human life, and this could be taken in the way of... Fuck you, Beastman. Well, no, yes, but like not what I was thinking. Maybe the idea of... He had been doing what he could to save people, but he was also, you know, people were dying based on decisions that he made. Right. But at the same time, when we cut back to Adai Village and we get Father Magin talking, he makes another weird cryptic sort of statement about human nature, but like almost making it sound like 
that he's not human or that Rossiu's not human. It's something subtle that I caught that I'm not sure where it's leading. Because I think you're is, reading too much into I, it. Yeah, do you think, I think, do you reading, think so? It, yeah. I think it's just mocking making observations about human nature. Okay, because it made me feel like Rossiu was not, that he was some sort of beast man or something. I mean, uh, that could be unless there's stuff in the manga that I don't know about. Manga came after the, the anime. The anime was original. There still could be stuff in it I don't know about. Fair enough. As of what happens in this show, you're reading too much into it. Okay, fair enough. All right, so finally, back at the ranch, we get our we get some well pseudoscience jargon as explained oh, by Lord Jidom's head. Uh, His turn. Apparently, the anti spirals have been eluding everyone by hiding themselves in the spaces between the tenth and eleventh dimensions. Which, when everyone looks to Leron for an explanation, he just kind of looks at him and goes, "I I don't know." Which I think is a hilarious joke. Um, yeah. That was a decent joke. It was a good payoff for the earlier uh, bits. Yes, no, it really was. I enjoyed that quite mm-hmm. a bit. So, uh, essentially, as Lord Genome's head explains it, is that the universe does not exist as tangible until it is observed. That's how they will be able to reach the anti-spirals, as they are able to perceive Nia's ring, therefore are able to lock on uh, to the anti-spirals pocket universe in imaginary space and teleport there using the same trick that Gurren Lagann used earlier. I, okay, so remember when I made that comment about ten minutes ago that I'm just rolling with it? Yeah. I'm not sure I can roll with all this. It's they pretty... saw a thing so they can go to thing. I get it, but then he's all like, and yes, I... yes, it's tucked away between the tenth and eleventh dimension. I'm here, like, here, what? Here, 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 I got something else that, that you can think on. Ross Youth flirts with uh, Viral and Viral gets pissed and pulls out his cleaver. Ah, that bothered they... me, but at the same time, I still want to see it. You want to see uh, Leron get hate crime to death? No, not you son Viral? of a bitch. No. He, he wants to ship Leron. Oh, oh, I know. He wants to ship oh. Leron after Leron breaks up with Rossiu from the previous ship. So he's going to ship uh, Leron and Viral for some rebound booty. Quit reading my slash fic. Dude, you got, you got to stop putting it on the dock. Seriously. It's got to go on somewhere. I mean, I was looking for new bedtime stories for my daughter, and I started reading that because I thought it was written by you, and then I started getting into the into the moment with that... Ka- with Kamina in the shower with Keaton, and I realized, holy And at the shit. end of that story, I was like, wow, I should not have read that whole thing out loud. <laughs> Monica and, sent me to my room. And, and, and when Bill was reading it, he was like, this is better than the anime. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everyone, eventually, they all agreed that they should take on the anti-spirals, and uh, we we get kind of a little bit of the, those that are saying goodbye. So mainly the ones that we care about, Keaton and Dayaka, saying goodbye to their family. You know, just nice little moment. Of love. We get. I love Dayaka pretty much getting permission from uh, uh, Kyo to go. <laughs> she goes, "No, yeah, you can go." Does <laughs> the whole? I love my wife. We get a second, like build up toward the big fight, mm-hmm. but we just had that. Maybe two or three episodes ago. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And it was really cool the first time. It's kind of grating the second time. Okay, well, here's something that's, that you're going to hate. So they decide to pull the moon out of the uh, pocket dimension oh, and that's imaginary hell. space. No! So that way, Cathedral Terra, I mean, now rechristened the uh, super galaxy Digurin, can leave the Earth's, uh, Earth's atmosphere. That's your fault. You're the one that's like, well, where did the real moon go? Did we never have tides before they put that spaceship there? Fair. Wait, and the, and the, you're blaming the writing on me? Yeah, this is, you had to ask the question. They had to shoot space harpoons that create swirly green buttholes, and then they pull the moon from the butthole swirls? I mean, that is what happened. <laughs> but essentially, it's to avoid any uh, title cataclysmic destruction. All right. 
Okay. Fine. <laughs> we'll just fucking go with that. All right. Sure. So, so we finally cut to Rossio, Kinone, and Gingley uh, talking to uh, uh, Viral and, and Simone about their, you know, what they're going to do to protect Earth because they're going to stay behind. Old Coco shows up. <laughs> And we find out that the big thing that he was ironing at the beginning of the episode was the Team Digerin flag. <gasps> Man, that's got to be hell on your arthritis. Here was my thought. Gurren Lagan should should wear it like a cape. That would be so fucking badass. I thought they were going to banner it like a samurai. That would have been cool. That too. also would be cool. But I was really hoping he would, like, throw it on like a cape. So, right. like, he's in, like, the cool, like... Cape thing and Grun Lagan has. You ever seen mechs with capes? No, it needs to happen. Yes, yes, I yes. have. Yeah. Uh, Escaflone. Uh, mobile suit G fighter Gundam. Oh, Escaflone. Oh, oh. The, uh, the master gunman had had okay, a fine. Uh, hey, can we watch Escaflone instead of review these next like five episodes? I don't know. I've never seen it. I have. I've, it's seen, hard I've seen like to three. I've seen like three episodes of it. I have. It's it. hard to get your really. I think I have most. Death Scythe kind of had a cape too, like it had yeah. wings that kind of fold into a cape. Um, the uh, uh, Endless Waltz version of Sandrock had a had a cape. So yeah, there have been go- uh, mechs with capes. Okay, fair enough. Right. Starscream wore that cape. Okay, fine. I'm wrong. So we finally get uh, Simone. On the deck of Super Galaxy Digurin, we get the roll call of the enti- entire team. Don't name them all off. There's, nope, there's a lot nope, of them. Nope. Although, I do want to note, there are at least like three or four that Charthy, like... Charthy, Irak, and Kid, you said, they're going to die. Yeah, I said, oh, never heard their names before. They're going to die. Got to at least introduce them who they are once before we kill them off. So, after Simon does a roll call for Team Digurin, they are off for the final battle. Well, that's going to take about four episodes to complete. No way! Yeah. God damn it! Are you serious? Uh, the end. There's this little thing that's gonna happen that you're gonna hate. Yeah, the very last episode, you're gonna lose your mind. That too. But chicken butt. But think about this, Andy. Are you ready? There's only four episodes left. That is that is great. That is great. But this title is a fucking lie. So, Josh, tell me about your thoughts. This episode for me has a lot of significance mm-hmm. due to the fact of Ross Yu attempting suicide. As a survivor of suicide attempt myself, and you two being personally involved in saving my ass, Bill pretty much was the one that decked me in the face, technically, to stop me from trying uh, to finishing off. It's it's a very significant episode to me, and I think it helps solidify why I love Gurren Lagann. It's not the first time I've had a suicidal person. Probably won't be the last. Right. But I think with the with the content with Rossiu and and the back and forth between Rossiu Rossiu at Adai and Kinone and Simone trying to figure out breaking down what what really happened to Rossiu, I think it's a great episode for that. I think it helped bring Rossiu to the final part of his of his arc. On top of that, the pseudoscience stuff. I think they uh, back to Bill's original comments about this show being uh, hyperbole. They're doing a great job at making fun of the pseudoscience. I'm going to say this weird thing that, that sounds sciencey but makes absolutely no sense, and we're going to make fun of it. Like, whenever they talk about the 10th and 11th dimensions and this, that, and everyone's just like, what the fuck? There actually are some models of quantum theory that talk about 10, up to 11 dimensions. What about imaginary space? There are imaginary numbers. Yeah, there are imaginary numbers. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not like this is a hard science fiction these guys got high and read a brief history of time. Fair enough. Thumb through it. That's accurate. <laughs> the I bet that's notes. accurate. Yeah. But they kind of throw a joke in the science fiction trope of the we're going to 
say some sciencey stuff that sounds really nifty and makes absolutely no sense to anyone. For that, I think it's it's a really uh, it makes a makes some for some great jokes. All in all, it's probably in my top five, if not my top three episodes, because of the heavy-handed, maybe not heavy-handed, but the very heavy approach of how do you handle somebody who's about to kill themselves, and Simone's statements afterwards about you know pretty much fighting, kicking and screaming until you can get past it. That I think that's always stuck with me. I really like this episode. Well, I understand then why you like it so much. For me, it's not bad, but at the same time, not a lot happens. I feel like the Rossiu stuff does make sense with his, he would be in a fucked up place after all of this. But at the same time, it feels like we don't get enough of, I don't feel like there's as much of an emotional impact because everything happens so quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I would like to see a scene with, you know, contemplated suicide to be drug out by any means. Um, but at the or same... Or made light of. Right? Yeah, or made light of. But at the same time, it happened all so quickly that it didn't hit me very hard. But that being said, it this episode, for me, the biggest problem I had wasn't necessarily that. It was just the inundation of information. Although I did appreciate the fact that the writers were making fun of it with the long-winded explanation everyone's staring blankly at him and Leron going, uh, it's um, fighting this. spirit. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, why don't you say so? That's funny. I mm-hmm. like that joke. Mm-hmm. But it's, this episode doesn't serve a lot, which is the problem I've had with some of the episodes in the second arc. I like the second arc 7,000 times more than the first arc. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. Love it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there have been multiple times already this arc in which they could have cut down and consolidated to make a tighter show. Try watching the two movies. They're of the first two arcs. Yeah. They have two movies that are of the first two arcs. Might be a better better uh, viewing experience. It, it might be for me. Oh, there's one last thing I forgot to point out. The title card text changed. I did it? Yeah. Oh. I forgot to point that out to you. So keep an eye out on I will watch for the next episode, episode for yeah. that. And then try to figure out whose it is. Okay, well, we've had Nia, we've had... We've had Kamina, Kamina Nia, and Rossiu. Okay. We're at the final leg, so who well, do you think it's going to be? Simone. Yeah, okay. Bill, what are your thoughts on the episode? Ultimately, I agree with you. I never stopped to consider the impact of the Rossiu arc ending, and it's a very short part of this episode. And yeah, the, the scientific pseudo-gobbledygook leads to a decent joke. I think those are two good nuggets within an episode of filler. Yeah. Okay. I, I think maybe there was five minutes of good in the 20-minute episode. Yeah, it was very full. Very slow, heavy. very filler, very... Dense. It's, it, it's a dense episode. To the point... Not even dense. No. Opposite of dense. Hmm. Two dense things, two important things happened. The rest of it was just kind of there. Okay. And it to the point that I didn't even notice the things that were there until you pointed them out to me, hmm. watching it now for, what, the fourth time? Oh, yeah, we forgot to point out Keaton staring at Yoko. Yes, there the, was a blatant uh, chest, chest stare that was pretty funny. Yeah, because they're, yeah. they're all in their new space outfits. Yes. And Yoko's got the big bear cleavage. And well, she's got, like, keeps, giant stars on her boobs. Yeah, I mean. and Keaton just keeps staring at her. Yeah. Everything else is going on. Keaton's staring at her. Which he's not really showing any more than she ever did, so I'm not sure why he's staring at that much at her. Yeah. It's skin tight? She wore a bikini top before. I know, I... I don't know. It's it is kind of funny though. It is kind of funny. 
I think at this point they're getting more self-aware with themselves as well. But I think that does it for this week, right? I think uh, we need to move on to next week, which is going to be episode 24, Gurren Lagann. I'll never forget this minute, this second. To midnight! This has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And I'm rough and ready. Yeah! I'm Bill. And half of my soul is buried deep underground. Actually, more or less buried in this basement. But yeah, I'm Josh. And uh, I'm holding someone's practical jokes in my hand. Stop it! Oh, sorry, those are your testicles this time. Sorry. Uh, My name is Andy. Oh! It's my part, and we'll see you next time. I hate monkey shoulder. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Tuning Japanese is part of the Questionable Endeavor Network. For more information on other podcasts and articles, check out questandnetwork.com. While you're there, check out other great shows like the Shadowbane Podcast, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, Home Stars, Slasher Sanitarium, Raw Attitude Podcast, New Blood Rising, The Reanimator Podcast, Taco Tuesday Podcast, Nerd Control, and our newest show, Hairless Pretenders. Sorry to keep you waiting, guys. Time to launch Super Galaxy Daiguren! Super Galaxy Daiguren? That's right, Super Galaxy Daiguren. That's good. It's a much better fit for you people than Cathedral Terra. <laughs> it sure is. Kitan, Liron, Dayaka, Zorthi, Kid, Irak, Jorgen, Balanbo, Maken, Tetukan, Artenbro, Gabu, Gimme, Dari, Sibylla, Leite, Yoko, Viril, Lorgino, and Buta. As long as Team Daiguren stands united, we have nothing to fear. Engines to full! Perceptual teleportation system activate! Let's go! This is it! Our final battle!